Cause we are doctors, lawyers, mothers, footballers, first minister, port laureate. We're on the move, and I'm telling you, the glass ceiling's going. We're coming through. Rise up, eyes up, take the stage, play your game, don't be afraid. You're a work of art, or Jones of art. Always be proud of who you are. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Women Who Sports 2020 series. Yeah, we'd like to thank our sponsors of the podcast, so that's Virtual Wealth, who are an insurance company based in Edinburgh. Sharon Martin for giving us a song, Girl, Daughter of Scotland, that was in the intro and will be in the outro of this podcast episode. You can find that on Spotify or Apple Music. And finally to our friend Haggis at Badge of Shame Clothing, which you can find on Instagram. She gave us our little artwork for a podcast and she has her own online shop sharing t-shirts and stuff, which is super cool and you should definitely check out. I was really lispy <laughs> for that intro. Um, right, today we're chatting to Sarah Svoboda, who is a Canadian international rugby player who's earned nine caps for Canada's national site. She's currently studying a master's in sports psychology at Loughborough University and she's particularly interested in psychological momentum, which she has her own blog about. On the pod today, we're going to discuss what psychological momentum is and how you can use it in your advantage to your sporting performance. Really looking forward to this one. In particular, psychology is such a huge aspect of sport that we all play, um, yet hardly any of us train or look at our mental aspect or come up with strategies to help us with anxiety or depression or the whole bubble that comes with sport. So before we get into psychological momentum specifically, how did you get into sports psychology? Uh, yeah, I'm really grateful for my parents for putting me into a lot of sports when I was younger, and I think that just exposed me to the different cultures and like coaching styles of different um, sports, and that really exposed me to kind of what aspects I really appreciated, kind of what coaches lit that fire under your butt and got you going, and kind of what tactics they used to get you excited for sports. So I think that was definitely something where I thought, wow, there's so much more than being in the gym or out on the track or uh, on the pitch training. A lot of it comes down to those silent moments before a game or in the dressing room with your with your teammates. And then at the same time, um, a lot of my teammates and I were really determined to reach those top levels. And we kind of realized that it is about those small moments with yourself. And, and everybody at the high level is going to be giving 110% in training in the gym until the lights go out. And it really comes down to what you're willing to put in those like 1% and those extras. And not that sports psychology is a small field, it's definitely growing and it's a lot of buzzwords are kind of coming up around it and a lot of it comes down to what kind of mental aspects are you going to put into your game. Yeah, it's funny that you say that, like especially when I was kind of on the periphery of getting into kind of international rugby, I definitely was under the illusion that like the more you train the better. A po- didn't have a positive impact on performance it just sure. like makes you really tired and yeah, you're like, like sore all the time and you're never at the peak of your game. I think it is... Yeah, the, the difference at that top level is a big part of its mindset for sure. Definitely. And like we're learning so much about like burnout and just like fatigue in sports and is it quantity or quality? And if you put in X amount of reps, but you get that extra sleep at night or you take the time to write down in your notebook some goals that you have for your next session, um, like can those aspects kind of bolster your performance? And it's not just, yeah, you just grinding it out in the gym. Yeah. It's interesting to, to touch upon with rugby, so all rugby players. You've got some teams on the international circuit that are full-time and they produce results. Canada, the team that you play for, 
from what I can gather from our teammates at Lightning and things, you don't actually meet that much, yet your world ranking is incredible and you put out some class performances. Mm-hmm. Do you think a big aspect of that is the fact that you, you've got a good mental game? Yeah, I would say so for sure. Like, obviously Canada's huge and it's hard even to get East and West camps to get everyone together from coast to coast. And I think when we're on tour together, we really have to capitalize on those moments. So it's players taking it upon themselves to have those small like touch sessions with each other and, and the forwards and the backs and and different unit groups and just always having that that touch base even if it's not about anything tactical just checking in and kind of giving that teammate the pat on the butt and just checking in mentally how we are I think that's a huge aspect yeah is that something that you've, you've is like sports psychology something that you've explored with team Canada and that you get help with it yeah lots of people have asked about that and we haven't actually had that much exposure to exposure to it I think the earliest memory I have is an under 20 camp we had uh, summer Christie who's um um, a mental performance consultant at West and we had her for a session and um, we I think just made bag tags and said what are three things you can come back to when things aren't going your way in sport and that was just something that was an activity that really stuck with me I'm like wow this is such a cool like little confidence builder and booster we can just literally have a tangible item on our bag just saying like when things aren't going your way like what can you come back to and so we haven't had that much exposure to sports psychologists but it's like those those small kind of um, encounters that we have had that I think we kind of take upon ourselves and kind of integrate into yeah. our training. And what sort of things did you write on those bad tags of interest? Um, I think for mine it was like hit low and hard because I might not be like the most like technical tackler like I feel like I've always struggled with like foot placement and that kind of thing but I know I can like bring the heat in a tackle so it'd be something like that and then maybe um, like our 10 would say something about like um, height like a 90% like kick for touch or something just like teammates yeah. having those things like Delica would probably be like Oh my gosh, I don't even know, make a huge line break. Like, yeah, because it's like a wrecking ball prop that has <laughs> <laughs> insane a race, which I'm not proud of. Yeah. Ridiculous 40 meter. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, when you said come thing, when you said like write things to come back to it, I immediately thought of non rugby things. I was like, I've got a roof over my head. <laughs> that works too. <laughs> I was like, I love me. That's like a thankful exercise. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, like, yeah, parts of the game can get so stressful. We have to remind ourselves that like we're here for the love of it and for the love of our country and the pride and like if you have to come back to literally just like putting cleats on my feet makes me happy like yeah. for sure <laughs> it's funny I don't know how many times you have to like remind yourself that we do this for fun oh, yes. <laughs> like, you're having fun right now <laughs> you choose to do this this is a choice <laughs> yeah. did you get into psychology then as a consequence of your experience as an athlete uh, I would definitely say so um like I said like I was really grateful my parents put me in a lot of sports when I was young and really early on I got exposed to like some high level soccer and hockey and rugby and a lot of the time I was like okay like I have to be like the most determined athlete like I've always always taken pride in my fitness so I'm always like I have to have like the best um, bronco or whatever test rooting at the time and I have to show the coaches that I'm like have the hardest work ethic and they'll have to drag me off the field and then after a while it was kind of it kind of came down to like I said like everybody at this level wants it as much as you like everybody's like gnawing at the bit and a lot of it comes down to like what are you willing to put in with yourself like can you reflect with your coaches can you reflect with your positional coaches and can you just like have that that time before a game to set those goals and make sure you're mentally preparing because at that level like everybody wants it as much as you and it's going to come down to how strong your mental capacity is to deal with like those setbacks yeah that's really cool so I guess now we crack into psychological momentum. So that is, you're doing your master's in sports psychology at yeah, Loughborough. I am. And is, I guess is this your, like, the topic in sports psychology that you're most passionate about? 
Uh, is this the topic? Yeah. Yeah, so this came from a performance psychology and management course that I've really taken a liking to, and it was the first uh, lecture I had on the first day at Loughborough, and I just right away, I, it just caught my eye because I've always been like really interested in elite level performers and Olympians and how you go from that club level to provincial, national, to world class. So this is definitely a course where we got to run away with a topic relating to that, and I got into reading on psychological momentum, and I'm like, wow, this is something I've seen, like I've partially experienced it myself most likely, also on the negative end, so it was just something I wanted to dive into. Yeah, it is so cool when you like hear a concept like that and you're like, that's what it is, like that's what I've been feeling and now like I've got like got the knowledge and got like the vocabulary to yeah describe it. For sure. Um, So I guess do you want to tell us kind of what psychological momentum is? um, Sure. For anyone that's listening that, yeah, would never have heard of it before. For sure. So um, a lot of people will resonate with the word momentum, uh, but this kind of takes a turn for the sports psychology field. This is kind of the idea of added, gained or lost uh, power. So like psychological power over your opponent. So um, that could feel like a string of plays where things are going um, really favorably your way. Like you can't miss a shot um, or you can't um, seem to mess up. And then the flip side of things, it can be a culmination of errors, just compounding errors, and you feel like you can't pull yourself out of that rut. Like we've had that experience where maybe you've had like consecutive knock-ons or drop balls, or you just can't make that tackle, and you're like, shoot, I'm, I'm digging myself a hole here. But ultimately, it just kind of changes in you as a person, um, like mentally, um, what your thought kind of pattern is, what your emotions are, and then it kind of translates into a behavior, positive or negative. So do you see it as like a short-term thing, like something that would happen in like over the 80 minutes of a game, for example? I've done a lot of reading on um, how it, how long it can be sustained for. So there's uh, like a lot of literature on how it can you can experience it like over the half of a game or over like 10 minutes consecutively, but also a lot on stringing together different like races. So like over maybe like an athletics um, athlete, like over several competitions, they feel like they're bringing momentum into each um, race they have or like a swimmer, uh, like back-to-back races, that kind of thing. But definitely for like the sports team, athlete or rugby player you could definitely experience it um throughout a match like a single match itself yeah so you gave us like a really good definition and idea of what psychological momentum is and kind of touched upon it in different sporting contexts and examples have you experienced yourself any like positive psychological momentum moments or it or conversely negative um so as i was writing this i it's i I struggled to find one that was like a concrete example but as i was talking to my family about this concept i was writing about and trying to explain it to them i have this random like this is the most kind of prominent one that stuck out for me i had this like club game when i was probably like under 18 and it wasn't like a particularly like exciting game we were kind of like kicking the crap out of this team but no matter i i kicked I kicked for this team and no matter where I took a kick from like I honestly couldn't miss it was so weird it was one of those games where I think because we were up on the opponent and I had like a lot of confidence I was really positive the energy was really good and we were super loose and I think that kind of fed into that and honestly like I'd be on the sideline and I would just be like oh, let's see where she goes and I literally think I went for like 12 for 12 like it was crazy so I was like yeah that could have been like a momentum example for sure where I think I just had that positive mindset and, and those events started to build on each other and I just kind of took away with that. But in, in a game, I'd have to think of a better example, but that's my, my positive one for sure. That was crazy. Do you reckon it's possible to, using rugby as an example, to go from like a negative state to a positive state? 
could you turn it around within an eight minute period? 100%. That's the really exciting thing about this topic. I was like, I don't want to write like a sad story on one side about how you're going down a negative spiral and the other, how you're kind of reaching these great heights. Like it can be turned around. And the important part that I continue to come up with in my reading was it's all about perception. So uh, there's a really good quote. I actually follow this account called Mindset on uh, Rugby Mindset, I think, on uh, Instagram. And one of the quotes is um, like a negative experience or event doesn't create anxiety, it's the stories you tell yourself. So it really comes down to like, yeah, I dropped that ball, am I gonna let it dictate the entire game? So like Rona's saying, like if you throw an intercept try or like if you miss a tackle, you just kind of have to switch that mindset. So a lot of the literature talked about um, using that as uh, motivation for your next play. And that's something called negative facilitation. Like it sounds inherently negative, but it's using like a negative trigger or event or a turning point and letting that like flip this, like the script for you. And you saying like, okay, now I have this fire under my butt. Like I'm, I have so much energy. Like I'm going to narrow my focus. I'm going to really up my intensity in this game. And you like ultimately use that as that trigger for now positive momentum. Like don't let it have that power to impact your game. So if we were to, so I guess put that into example, if we were to make a mistake, knock the ball or whatever, then be like, right, I've just made that mistake. So the next thing I'm going to do is going to, I'm going to like compensate for it like that sort of thing yeah definitely like it just comes down to like how are you going to perceive that and like all throughout my readings it was like it's not the event it's not the trigger it's like how you perceive that and if you don't let your behavior if you don't let if you don't show the ref that you're visibly mad because of his crappy call and if you don't like make a mean comment to your teammate because you're frustrated like you're not fueling that negative event to take over your game and and you have that capacity to make it a positive so does like the work around that and the ability to sort of flip the switch, does that come from training like off the pitch? Like, what sort of things could you do to develop those skills so that when you're on the pitch you can think actually this is where I need to or I recognise the fact that I'm going negative, this is what I need to do? A lot of it came down to confidence, like that came up a lot um, when I was talking to people or like looking at different articles about people's experience of um, psychological momentum, it's just more confident and positive athletes are going to have better attributions to failures and success. So they're going to attribute a failure to, okay, like I'm human, I'm an athlete, that happens, rather than like, oh, I'm so garbage and I'm letting my team down. Like it honestly comes down to how how confident and positive you are in the field and if you have that ability. Um, And something we do with Canada a lot is kind of like a reset. Like if we drop a ball or something goes wrong, like our coach is a big proponent for like give the butt slap, like give the tap, like reset, like next scrum, like next job exactly yeah, like move on. yeah so I guess the big kind of takeaway point would be almost having that positive affirmations and things off the mm-hmm. pitch to develop that confidence so that when you recognize that on the pitch you've got those tools and triggers to bring in and those positive words to, to draw upon definitely yeah like it doesn't have to be like a solo process either like teammates can really use like encouragement to bolster each other and then have Having a sports psychologist is obviously a huge advantage and, and a coach that's um, able to like implement those kind of resets, these, that like reset button almost, or just tactics that kind of get you to reset, whether it's like closing your eyes and taking like three breaths at the back of a scrum before you engage, or um, just kind of like having that trigger word um, in your head just to say, to visualize and, and kind of bring yourself into the next phase of play. It's like funny what you say about confidence. Like I used to, like I used to always think that like the best players to me were players that were really confident and I struggled with that because I'm, I'm just like not inherent, like inherently a confident mm-hmm. rugby player but I think actually like confidence comes from preparation 100%, like 100% you can 
if you know your role in a team and you know all your calls and you're a hundred percent confident in what you have to do, then like that yeah, just breeds confidence on the pitch. Definitely. It's like if you've put that time in to understand how you mentally prepare, you're eliminating all those uncontrollables that could possibly bring you down right before yeah. the game. And obviously rugby's like so unpredictable and there's so many uncontrollables like injuries and refs making negative calls but you if you have that like set plan in your head like okay two hours before a game where does my mindset need to be and an hour before a game and maybe three minutes before the game like who am I surrounding myself with like am I going over the lineouts or if I, am I just giving myself that like three deep breaths like it's just if you can fall back on those things that you know lead to lead to success yeah. you're going to be super confident on the field I think who you surround yourself with as well is so important and that's like short term that's like who you surround yourself with just before and just after a game or when you're analyzing a game but also like I think just in like your wider group of friends mm-hmm. like as an athlete who's trying to play the top level I think who's in your circle is like so like has such an impact on your performance definitely yeah, yeah like recognizing the different personalities and yeah before a game like I'm quite an extroverted person but before a game I flip and I'm totally introverted and I know that if I hang around with people that go the other way and are quite extroverted and loud and jovial I can, don't respond well to it well, I think like before a game as well like just having played like a lot with you bombs like we were quite similar in terms of like we like to be excited and we we're like let's go have fun whereas there's other people who are like like need to be angry or like yeah, need to be clinical yeah. whereas yeah. we're like if we get excited then it's like right okay let's get excited to make big tackles and let's get excited to hit line outs whereas I find that if that doesn't happen and I let myself go too introverted and too into my Mm. shell then I go into the pitch and I'm just a bit like rabbit in headlights yeah for sure like recognizing what puts you in that correct mindset like is it like listening to the craziest music to get yourself psyched up like jumping around on the field before that kickoff or are you that person that needs that moment to just collect your thoughts and kind of like close your eyes go through that game plan of in, in each scenario of the field how are you playing yourself mm-hmm. out but yeah definitely understanding that just like bolsters so much confidence for your performance earlier you mentioned uh, you briefly touched upon referees and different mm-hmm. umpire decisions where does that lie within this momentum kind of concept so that idea kind of falls under the category of like the uncontrollable triggers and turning points in a game that like have the capacity to take it positive or negative. And like I was saying with negative facilitation, like somebody might get a yellow card in the final of a sevens game with like a minute left. And obviously that's going to shatter your world if you let it. So it kind of comes back to that motivational piece. Like, are you going to use this as fuel? Are you going to let this be an excuse for you to be negative on the field and, and kind of lower your pace and lower your effort? Or are you going to let that um, piece fuel you for, for better performance? And the same thing comes from recognizing your opponent. So in rugby, obviously, like the other team can experience positive and we're on the negative side of it. But if you see maybe something cuts into their rhythm and maybe they get a negative call against them or they have an injury like you have to recognize like this flip is switched and and you can capitalize on their maybe their negative body language or maybe they've turned over like now that's your opportunity to jump on it it's like oh let's talk about that how do we go in (laughs) how do we recognize that other people are having bad times and how do we go capitalize (laughs) so much of it so much of it is body language like i don't want to throw my twin katie under the bus but a lot of times she is like like katie wants to listen to this she is such like she's a competitor through and through and when we were younger especially she would like very poorly hide her emotions on the field and like the head would go back and like the arms would flail and she would just be like really visibly upset and my mom was that really good person for her to be like katie like 
you don't let people know how you're feeling. Like that can destroy like your teammates energy that can give away to the other team. And that's like such a huge concept I was reading about. Like if you see like the head slump or the, the player chasing after the ref trying to debate that call, like that is your moment to pounce. Like they're starting to doubt themselves. Yeah, their confidence yeah. is low and like it's time for you to kind of rewrite. And it's funny, like we do notice when we're playing against teams, like if they're talking to each other like shit, we're all like, like they're not, they've not got it together. Yeah. Like you do know what's out on the field. I think for forwards especially, like scrum time's a mm-hmm. key one for that. It's yeah, like even those moments where you're like, They're tired guys, they're tired. Like, yeah. like you're looking at your opposite player, you're like, they're breathing heavy, they're tired <laughs> and you're like, Am I playing a pointless mind game or like am I kinda like firing my team up? Like it's like who knows, but let's try it. <laughs> yeah, so so true. So do you think that sort of um kind of chat works? Do you think it if you're experiencing like positive momentum and you're kind of making those comments to your teammates knowing full well that the opposition can hear it do you think that puts the opposition team in more of a negative spiral i think it definitely has the capacity to um you mean like if we've if we're experiencing positive yeah yeah i think it's it's going to be harder for them to reclaim because like the second you show a weakness or a vulnerability or that you're visibly upset with your team that's their moment to steal it so if you're continuing to like hype your team up and keep that momentum really high even if something does dip like that other team recognizes they're like, ooh, they like respond to pressure really well or like their eight man just knocked it on, but like the person who gave her the pass like slapped her on the butt and everything seems cool. Like you know what I mean? They're recognizing that like you don't waver even if there's a dip in, in competition and they will definitely recognize that it's gonna be hard to regain for sure. At the start of this podcast we were like, how can we use this to help us? And now we're like, how can we use this for <laughs> to <evil>? hurt them? <laughs> You may see, see me and Rona in the next game, like, sneaking around the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> Taking notes on opposition. One second. Hands on hips. Yeah. Hands. <laughs> Let's go get them. Target acquired. So, yeah, going back to the referee calls, like, I think that's such a difficult one because if calls aren't going your way, like, that is something that is completely out of your control. So how do you not let that, like, consume you? I think that just comes back to the perceptions point, like, no event is inherently going to make you feel anxious or mad. Mm-hmm. It's like how you interpret it. So um, a big couple points I talk about on the blog is um, the cognitions. So your thoughts affect how you feel and then physiologically, like how your arousal levels are. So I think it just comes back to those techniques that work for you. So like if it comes down to a bad call and you have to walk away and like engage in some like diaphragmatic breathing or just like talking to a teammate that, you know, can kind of get your, your levels back to where they need to be. It's something like that where... You just have to understand um, what works for you in terms of not getting yourself really mm-hmm. riled up. And so maybe having thoughts about, okay, what went well in that last play or what's up next for me? Just like not letting those negative thoughts consume all those aspects of you because yeah. that'll feed into a really negative behavior if you let it. It's almost like cognitive behavioral therapy, technically. Wait, you, you are yeah. <laughs> kind of so. trying to recognize that point where your mindset's sure. changing what you're feeling what you're thinking how you're acting i guess and yeah it's just like being very self-aware like that is a concept that i we touched on a lot in this course that i took and just having that ability to respond to adversity like are you resilient can you adapt positively to like an inherently negative event like are you going to let that dictate the rest of your game or can you kind of flip it and, and use that as fuel and and yeah, be be aware of where it's taking you. Like it's okay to like acknowledge how upset it's making you or how like your heart rate is going up and you're getting like visibly upset, but can you then like let go and, and like switch off or go to the next event and, and go to the next phase? 
Yeah, I really like that idea of like using mistakes as fuel to mm-hmm. to do better the next time. Definitely. Does your sports psychology knowledge help you deal with obstacles within your current athlete journey? So you've currently got a hamstring injury that you're trying to come back from. How has it helped you manage and deal with that? Um, yeah, a huge part of that has just been like practicing what I preach. Like a lot of time I'll, I'll go to my mom with issues I'm having in sport or in recovery. And she's like, Sarah, like you need to listen to yourself, like take your own advice of what you're preaching and what you're reading every day and really investing your time into. And I think that's been a huge part of it. Just understanding like when I'm healthy, like what my correct mental preparation is. Cause I felt sometimes at club or provincial or national level, I'd get off the field and I'd be like, like, ha- like I had a hard time, like quantifying how well I did maybe I wasn't goal setting very much or a lot of the time it was I didn't set those measurable measurables for myself or intent for performance so I would come off the field like I'm not sure like am I happy with that am I not happy with that so learning more and more about sports psychology and, and goal setting and, and going into a performance with intent and coming out with like smart goals that are tangible and measurable and, and able to locate whether or not I'm happy with the performance was huge and then on the injury side of it for sure it was just understanding um like how I can kind of flip to that um, more kind of positive mindset in an inherently like negative situation and like I've, I've been under the knife before in a major major surgery like right after my first year of university I had ACL surgery that summer going in, into the next year and that was a really big test for me because we had just won our provincial championship and then second at nationals so of course I'm like all fired up for the summer heading into it and then the very first session I tore my ACL so yeah sports psychology was something that was huge for me it really taught me how it doesn't have to be that like grueling like grinding like clamshells in the gym by yourself process like it's all about like what kind of like climate do you have around you like do you have those people that are going to facilitate like a really like motivational climate do you have those coaches and those athletes that are going to help you like get back on track and I think sports psychology really fed into that in terms of kind of optimizing the mindset and and understanding that this is a short-term um, pain, but it'll obviously pay out in the long-term gain with continued sport. I think we talk about sports psychology loads in terms of, or, or rather, we don't talk about it enough, but when we do talk about it, it's always on-field stuff. But actually, I think, like, sports psychology, when you've just gone through a major injury, is actually mm-hmm. huge. Like, um, yeah, recognising that even if you're not playing at the time, it's okay to reach out and ask your coach if there's a sports psychologist, or mm-hmm. if you're not at that level, like, finding a friend that you know that can confide in that's really good advice to like help get you through that yeah just like the readiness of of being able to return and and kind of have that positive mindset throughout the rehab process is just huge like athletes fare yeah. so much better when they've had like that supportive environment and and you know you like keep yourself involved like whether it's like doing your conditioning while the team's training or just like any capacity you can keep yourself involved it's just yeah, it's, it's a really positive thing. And then, yeah, obviously, if you have access to a sports psychologist, they can definitely, like, help you work through those, like, darker times where you're only, like, a third of the way through your rehab and there's so many exciting things going on with your team. And, like, how do you kind of reframe where you're at in a positive light and, and keep you yourself motivated? Yeah, I do think it is so important for teams. I think probably more women's sports teams that are still kind of finding that professionalization or in that amateur level to have access psychologists because I don't think many of us do like we perhaps have one psychology session as a group a season Mm -hmm. but there's not much you can take away from a half hour stint when you've got one psychologist for a group of 30 players yeah I know it needs to be a lot more consistent throughout the year whether it's once every couple of weeks or every month even 
because I think it is such a untalked about area but yet a huge aspect of the game do you sure. think it is going to get recognised or do you think funding will start to be put into psychological provision I definitely think so even coming over here I was just like wowed with like how much it's prioritised and a lot of my professors are practising um, psychologists and, and mental performance practitioners and um, it's definitely lacking in Canada right now and I totally understand what you mean over here like you can't go to one session and then think you're gonna take away like a season's worth of skills or it's like you're not going to the gym and lifting once a week and saying like okay that'll do me for X amount of weeks like it's something that definitely needs to be built up and I'm really fortunate to be studying over here and part of the Loughborough Applied um, psychology services so that's where the master's students are paired with different um, professional teams on campus so like you guys would have a couple and I'm currently working with women's women's netball so it's really exciting to see that they're trying to integrate those trainees and, and people um, in my position uh, from a from kind of an early position to get more exposure it's just you need those people to talk to and those people that have the resources that you need to learn like what you can implement in your game or, or what you need to take away um, that's maybe negatively impacting you, but I think it's definitely moving in the right direction, yeah, for sure. If we were to have like three tips to anybody that wanted to take psychological momentum away and use it for their own performance, what would those be? Um, I'd say like self-awareness, so just having, just recognizing like how you feel in certain situations on the field, so it's obviously hard to do in every moment of the field, but or of the game even, or of a performance, but just taking away those major um, uh, experiences so if there's a big turning point positive or negative just kind of like make a mental note of how you're feeling like did you get over anxious about a call or or did you react really poorly to a call or, or were you super elated that something positive happened that you made a mistake later on like understanding how you react like cognitively at, like affect and your physiology so I'd say kind of having some self-awareness there and then um, the flip side of when we were talking about negative facilitation of how to um, kind of turn a negative into a positive that's really huge so just like recognizing when um, something's gone um, against you and kind of flipping the switch and then another the flip side of that is something called positive inhibition so I talk about that in my blog as well and that's the idea of like congrats like something went really well your way like very exciting but don't let yourself become complacent or drop your effort or reduce your pace because a lot of time it's it's really awesome to see something positive happen in a game but you can also feel people see people become visi visibly like overconfident or like complacent or kind of reduce their pace so be aware of that that's something that's that's really important and then just tips would definitely be in like enhance your confidence in any way you can to ensure that you're going to trigger that momentum for yourself so it might sound silly, but things I've come across a lot is like a highlight reel. Like, can you make a highlight reel of you and your team? Or if you're an individual athlete, like, can you compile a bunch of clips where you've absolutely like smashed it in a performance? And if you use that, that's only going to remind you of your past successful performances. And it really just serves as that fuel for, for confidence. And it gets you in that right, right mindset heading into the game. Good, they're good keep A little self-hype. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's go make highlight reels. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> like years and years of years. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Again, like, even something like a highlight reel, it's way more common in the men's game. Like, a lot of male rugby players put highlight 100%. reels together, but for women, if another teammate was to do that, I think there'd be an air of judgment amongst the team yeah. and be like oh wow did you see that so and so put that together 
that's a bit popular, that's a bit comforting. And that's so ridiculous. Yeah, when actually we need to be kind of supporting that, campaigning that, and and Mm. actually, why not? Like, she's a good player, let's show the world that she's a good player. That's maybe why she's done it, to get that mental gain or mental edge, and I think Mm. that's a really kind of key point as well, and not think more like men, but they kind of seem a little bit more less conscientious if you like for sure like about other people's views and thoughts definitely like I've talked to coaches where they've said like women are always like apologizing like or like wanting to give the ball up or pass or like like apologizing for like any doing anything in sport and it's like hold on to the ball like don't make that pass like be selfish and like we are like inherently just like Mm -hmm. like less selfish athletes I feel like sometimes versus like our male counterparts a lot of time it comes down to like you can be your own worst critic so like flip the switch and make that highlight reel of yourself where you're like, oh my God, that's fun. Exactly, yeah, 100%. Like, hype yourself up. Like, it can be such an important tool to, like, put yourself in that mindset before the game rather than questioning, like, am I good enough to be here or can I do this? Like, you have that evidence. Like, this is what I'm capable of. I've done it against this team before. I've done it at this level. I've done it at the international level. Like, it's something you can fall back on, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, and we should be we should be hyping each other up and like hyping your teammates up. Like I think women need to support women in sport. 100%. And yeah, if anybody makes a highlight for you, we will be an advocate. <laughs> we will yes. share it. Yeah, yes. <laughs> all our channels. <laughs> Flames emoji. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that was so good. It was so good to get an insight into that topic and to chat to you. You're so like level headed. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Love a good chat. <laughs> yeah, we can definitely take a lot of that away. I think. Okay, final bit of the podcast is our juicy cues. Okay, so we ask all our guests just some random questions. Uh, I guess just to get a little, a little bit more information on them, but in a positive, light-hearted way. Yeah, and we usually have ten, but um, I've forgotten my notebook, so today we've got the seven that we can remember. The seven keys. So, question number one: What is on your playlist at the moment? Since I moved over here, I've been loving Lewis Capaldi. Oh, I, I love him. I, I honestly don't think I knew who he was until I got over here, and then we're on that first bus trip, and th- that question came up about who's like the top-selling recording artist or something, and Maddie, our analyst, was like, you know this song. You definitely know it. She played it, and I didn't, so I made it my mission to go listen to all his stuff, and oh my gosh. He's so Love good. that guy. Any mood, I found like a remix version that I can run to of like some of his slower <laughs> songs. I'm like, this works! So when you loved remix, that's yeah. like the most depressing <laughs> rehab running <laughs> session ever. I'm like, don't ask me what he's talking about, it's sad, but I'm getting hyped. Okay, so what are you watching at the moment? If that's on Netflix or mm-hmm. BBC iPlayer? I'm a big true crime person, like any like murder serial killer documentary like i'm your girl so what did i just watch i loved like the making a murder seasons those were great oh um, the stephen avery ones yes yeah love those have you watched killing eve no oh, oh that's so good get on it. bbc oh, alba good. killing eve Ooh. alba bbc alba oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> bbc alba spotter just plugging her games <laughs> You can also watch some rugby matches on the <laughs> <Yeah, Elmo. laughs> I was going to say, wasn't that your streaming? Yeah. You're getting streamed up. <laughs> I play, sorry. Oh my gosh. I also watched the, um, I think it's called Inside the Mind of a Killer, the Aaron Hernandez three-part oh. documentary. So that's about the NFL player that was convicted of two murders and then ended up committing suicide in prison. So that was like a really heavy, like, 
um, kind of just like nature nurture, like how he was brought up and then kind of what um, uh, like contact sports can do to your brain, a bit of like CTE, like that kind of side of things. So that was like, that was an interesting and really sad watch as well. But Oh, I might watch that. Yeah, I would it sounds recommend. good. Yeah. Have you watched, um, what's, oh, Missing in Plain Sight? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh so I watched it with my friend and uh, there were so many memes about how you'd react to it and I literally was every single one of those memes. I was like, what? Like, no, there's gaming. Like, I'm just like, these different, yeah, all the big reveals of the show and you're just like, how? Yeah. What? Like, you just question <laughs> everything. Oh, I oh, don't know how to do that. Like, it's all, it's, it's, it's actually unreal. Yeah, what is it on? Is that Netflix? It's on Netflix, Netflix. yeah. Netflix, yeah. okay. It's, uh, is it just like the, the one watch through documentary? Like, I don't yeah, think it's Yeah, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's a... Oh, you honestly got to watch it. Yeah. I'll get on it. Okay, question three. What is your cheat meal? Ooh, I'm a big Hawaiian pizza girl. Oh, and like people I agree. Love Pineapple or... pizza, that's right. Are you about yeah. it? Yes. Yeah, it's I either, agree. I'm it's yes or that. no. And then anything with Frank's Red Hot Sauce on it. I like will douse that on anything. Like <laughs> what's egg, that? Frank's Red Hot Sauce. Oh, like I've not had it. No. Oh my gosh. It's so, I haven't found it over here. I think I've had to bring it over, but it's like... It's just like the best hot sauce ever. Like I've looked for it. I'm like, what do I do? How will I eat my eggs? So like anything with that on it, I'm into. Like, have you ever had like buffalo chicken dip? That's like it's like that no. and like a lot of cheese. So very Canadian. Very good. We'll give you the recipe. Okay, what is your career highlight? Um, if it's a game or a moment. Mm. Yes, we asked somebody this once and they said like making friends. friends. <laughs> So then we found really bad because when we asked each other, we were like, "This game," but um, there's two that I think really stick out. The one was um, I remember watching the like Ontario University Rugby Forever and just kind of thinking like, "Am I good enough to compete in this? Like, this seems so cool." And then going on in my very first season to win the the um, the Ontario like provincial title with the, my McMaster Marauder team in 2015. That was just like a crazy memory. Oh, that was just so yeah. awesome, and it was against. Guelph, um, uh, like a rival, rival school that's like 40 minutes down the road from us and and it was one of those games where I think it was like a single try ended up determining the game so that was just like a huge highlight oh, for me. That's a close, close game. game. Bit, so yeah. fun. Like you're just at half and like you like lift your arms up and you're like this is this is decided the game like it's just something like that and then for um, playing under 20 Canada I got a hat trick in a game against the states when we were playing in Utah and I was like this is sweet like this is so fun like a couple of them were like Scrum like they were front row tries like I only had to drag the ball over and touch it down oh, but yeah, that like dotted the the hat trick and I was like this is a pretty cool accomplishment that was a lot of fun I love them because like I live with two Canadians I love the Canada States rivalry oh yeah hundred percent like, like you guys play each other about a hundred times a year honestly I'm like how do we keep getting hyped up for this like it's the same people like it obviously changes a bit with like the sevens but yeah it is it is crazy and like obviously being third in the world like we're trying to like separate ourselves from that rivalry but obviously we see like in san diego like they they were better on that day so it is very yeah. much still like they're a, fifth in the world they are yeah, yeah right now i believe yeah yeah they yeah, yeah. i guess that it's always going to be like a close encounter isn't it mm-hmm. yeah like it, it definitely the rosters are always changing and and they had that yeah home advantage in san diego and on that day they were better but yeah always always fun to play them um, next question: Would you rather play all the instruments? Okay, so that includes being able to sing well, Ooh. or speak. <laughs> How do you know I can't languages? already? Or speak all the languages? Yeah. Oh, that is tough. So like, you can literally pick up an instrument and just I'm be playing. like an expert at it. You can literally land in a country and speak the language. I would. 
probably say language just because yeah you would get there and instantly like learn so much more about the culture I and agree. just like converse but music <laughs> is a language in itself exactly so this is what is, I think it I, I would love to go. like remember how to play saxophone again <laughs> like, yeah, oh, such yeah. a good instrument you could just or play. like you know those instruments you tried them out when you're in middle school and they're like okay like try out all instruments and it's basically like whichever one you could make a sound in that was your instrument yeah. like i could not produce noise in like a flute or a clarinet so like to be able to do like play every instrument would be kind of cool right so if you had to play a sport that wasn't rugby what would your sport be um, I played pretty high level soccer when I was younger and I was able to represent my province and for a while I was like, yeah, I think this is where I'm headed and then grade nine rugby hit and I'm like, ooh, this is for me. <laughs> so definitely pursued that more. But I also have like a really weird like love for volleyball. Like I'm not, I don't have a particularly impressive vertical and like anything that would necessarily, like I'm not super tall, so nothing that would like inherently make me a good volleyball player, but like. I just loved it, like, all throughout high school, like, I would just get so, like, amped up for volleyball, and all my friends were like, yeah, we're kind of just doing this, because it's, like, a winter sport, I'm like, no, like, I love volleyball, and let's go, like, I just was so, like, into the sport, and everyone made fun of me, because they're like, you are taking this nowhere, and I'm like, I'm having a good time, (laughs) I love it, it is just, like, no, like, the the hype around, like, a single point is just, like, so fun, like, just, like, like, the beach volleyball when the Olympics had, like, proper rugby sevens vibes, Mm, like, it's so, it's just, like, it's, like, yeah, that shorter version of a game, where if you don't understand every component of it, it's just, like, two, four people, two on either side of the net like you can back that like yes, it's yeah, so much fun so true. okay the last question okay last but not least what star sign are you like aquarius yeah yes. are you yay are you i yeah. heard it's changing i heard they added one so it's all gonna change and i no, was like i refuse i'm like how does that work you can't add more you can't birthdays like, history yeah. or change star do you guys like really identify with what it says about the stars yes yeah i honestly don't i see it in like a cosmo magazine every now and then i'm like yeah that fits but i don't i don't live by them what kind of aspects do you i live by we do (laughs) (laughs) are you like an early aquarius or a late i am i'm like oh wait when does when does aquarius start uh is it like end of january i think it's end of january i'm early feb so i guess yeah Yeah, early early end i always like being younger like having an early birthday I was like this is so cool like I'm the first of this age and now I'm like oh god the first one to hit 25 no like I don't want to do it like and we used to have people do a better chat out of me and Bonner but people kept saying Bonner so we scrapped you're both great (laughs) losing every week was getting (laughs) negative accumulation oh yeah ready to use that as motivation yeah Yeah. flip it flip it (laughs) arm people save my chance bell yeah No, uh, thanks so much. That's been, yeah, so interesting and a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much. Love it. Because we are doctors, lawyers, mothers, footballers, first minister, boat laureate. We're on the move and I'm telling you, the glass ceiling's going. We're coming through. Rise up, eyes up, take the stage. Play your game, don't be afraid. You're a work of art, or Jones of art. Always be proud of who you are, yeah. Believe you can be